This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. Listeners, I cannot wait to get in today's conversation with Kelly Brown. So, uh, you know, Kelly calls herself, quote unquote, the connoisseur of cool. And honestly, I couldn't agree more. Um, You know, she's really amassed an impressive following with thousands of people following along on her journey every single day. Um, She's the founder of And I Get Dressed and Deeply Madly Modern. And she's really just known for her incredible taste and style and interior design. But the thing that we love, um, you know, about Kelly here with Good Together is you're not going to always find her buying new. So she's, she really prefers to be thrifty and is a total pro at scoring secondhand home finds that really, I think, belong in your favorite magazine. So, of course, we wanted to have her onto the podcast to steal all of her secrets. So welcome to the podcast, Kelly. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for the glowing intro. (laughs) Wonderful. No, no, we're so excited. So I wonder if you can kind of just get us started um, by just giving our listeners just a really brief intro of yourself and, um, you know, maybe maybe the the two brands they just mentioned. For sure. Um, so I'm Kelly. Hey, everyone. I um, started out as, a, I guess you call me like an OG influencer. Um, I started out with a fashion blog called Anna Get Dressed. I started a blog like in 2012. So I've been on the internet a really long time, um, mostly creating content in the style space as regards fashion. Um, I am plus size. So I talk a lot about like just what's around and um, sort of bucking the notion of you know, dressing for your body. I think you should dress style forward. So whatever you're feeling is how you should look. And, um, so that has taken me really far and it's been exciting. Um, and a few years ago I started creating content in the interior design space. And so, um, during 2020 I had just moved and I really had to shop. Like I love to shop, as you mentioned, secondhand. Um, I of course do get new things and there's a lot of new brands that I love. But I love to just incorporate vintage. I think it elevates every space. And uh, because it was 2020 and we were dealing with COVID, I had to shop like, you know, Instagram and online a lot. It was very, very different than being able to go to flea markets and estate. So I decided to kind of document that process. And it sort of took off from there and um, started creating videos on TikTok. Um, more frequently, I would say in the last few months and people really responded. So here we are. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I I love that story and I, you know, I also find doing, you know, uh, you know, interior design to be like so therapeutic, just like making our our spaces at home really feel like, you know, the places that we want to spend the most time because hey, we we still are, right? I mean, I still think we probably all spend a lot more time at home than we did pre-pandemic. Um, but you know, there there's nothing the matter with that and I feel like um, you know, interior design specifically um, I think some of the best, uh, you know, designs that that come out are really good at mixing, 
new with old and, you know, thinking about how to, how to balance like this vintage vibe with, with new items. And so one of the just listeners, you know, I love my statistics and we wanted to kind of throw out some here. I mean, secondhand um, is, is such an important, like growing share of the market, which is really exciting. Now, a lot of the statistics that we found were, you know, specifically about like shopping for clothing, but um, thread up as we know, is mostly clothing. Uh, they said, um, you know, according to their 2021 resale report, the secondhand market is expected to double within five years, reaching almost $77 billion. So, I mean, that to me is just is massive. Um, and I, and I think it's just such an interesting way to, you know, think about, um, the thrifting experience, but tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, like, how do you think about like, whether it is, um, you know, maybe the sourcing of an item all the way to, um, you know, maybe getting it home and, and, and figuring out how it's going to play with the rest of your, um, you know, objects, like t- walk me through that process. Um, for me, I love the hunt, right? Yeah. I think that there are people who need immediate gratification when it comes to their space. And those people want to go into a store and just buy it exactly how it's presented in the showroom. And obviously those are curated by experts. And so they're often really attractive, but they do look like a showroom because one, it's all one brand. And so there's not a lot of nuance. There's not a lot of personality when you shop that way. Um, I like to play the long game. Um, so I am one, the actual sport of digging, finding the treasure hunting is a big part of it for me. And so there's a much bigger payoff when you're willing to be patient and you're willing to go through the process of exploring, um, you know, one of the statistics, but one of the statistics that I really lean into is that I found out that like the number one thing that goes into landfills is furniture. Um, and so the idea that these gorgeous and, um, really well-made items, pre-loved items would go into a landfill just sort of breaks my heart because we, one, don't really make things the way that we used to, you know, a lot of things now are made with a mixture. It might be wood plus MDF plus this and plus that, you know, just to make things cheaper, But, you know, that 40-year-old dresser or chair or, you know, is made with solid wood and that's vintage pieces tend to be heavier. Um, And they're lasting. They look great and they're, you know, as old or older than you are, you know. And so, um, you know, for me, it's really just like about the hunt, about, you know, not getting rid of things that are perfectly good and sometimes better. Um, And then there's just also prolific, iconic designers whose work um, deserves to be loved on forever. And those pieces are more rare and harder to find. And I love finding them outside of something like an auction or, you know, really expensive way. <laughs> Though something, <laughs> you know, we love to invest when it's worth it, but like, you know, finding it. So the way that I sort of approach sourcing, um, as you mentioned, because secondhand is so popular now, it's definitely, I've noticed a huge difference in the last few years in terms of like the, ability to find things really easily in larger markets. Like I live in Los Angeles, so it's a lot more pick through than it used to be. But, um, I think if you're, you know, savvy and, um, one, you know, know what you look at, you're looking at, uh, you can still find really good things. So I just approach it as a collector. Um, my spaces are always evolving and I'm fully willing to change things as new things come in. It's part of the fun for me. So yeah, that's kind of how I get started. I know that was an awful, but like, 
Oh no, that's fine. I mean, hey, this is a podcast. We could we could talk all day. I mean, one there's a few things I wanted to kind of pull out from from what you mentioned. I mean, first of all, I love that you you keep talking about this concept of the hunch. Like we all get some dopamine hit from shopping, right? And I think you know in the past that shopping might have been going to um, you know a fast fashion store, or maybe it was like getting a daily deal on a website and like scoring something at like 30 to 40% off. And you thought, Oh, you know, I'm doing really well. We we love that. Everybody loves a good deal. And I think um, there is a misconception that in order to have that kind of, you know, exciting experience, it's got to be with new items. Like you have to be going online or, you know, going to, you know, brand new stores. And and I love the idea of thinking about, yeah, thrift stores, flea markets, uh, places like that as a, you know, treasure trove of things. Um, I also really love to use Craigslist um, and buy nothing groups. Those are fun because I think a lot of times people don't know a lot of times even what they have. And so you can kind of yeah, like if you, as long as you're pretty good at searching and using keywords, I think it can be also really fun. Um, the other thing that you mentioned that I really was also just to love to hear was talking about like longevity of pieces because I, I totally agree. I think, you know, older things typically are made with, you know, these more solid wood pieces. They, they definitely, they're designed to last. And the other thing is like when we move, because we all move all the time, right? Or we used to pre-pandemic. Um, I think it's really tempting for people to either like want to start from scratch or to bring things over from their old living spaces into the new and to just be like, oh no, this doesn't work, right? Instead of being creative, um, you know, it, it's kind of like, I want to start from scratch. And so what happens? Well, unfortunately, like, yeah, like you mentioned, a lot of those furniture pieces are going into landfill. And so you know, it's just such a shame in terms of a waste perspective, but then also like the person, there's also a person that moved into your old living space that probably would benefit from that couch that you had on that wall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there, there is somebody out there who needs that uh, piece that you're about to chuck out. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And I feel like, um, you know, when it comes to, I, cause I, I feel like I used to be that way, like new space, new vibe, new energy, new this. and um, once you start actually curating your things, they're not so disposable to you. You spend a lot of time finding it. You know that it's rare. Um, you know that they're often valuable, like most things. You know, um, if you buy a big box chair, you know, and you go to resell it on Facebook Marketplace, you can barely get half of what you paid for it, even if it's a few months old. Um, and so with vintage, it's different because those things often appreciate over time because they're not being produced anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. And so there's value to it. Um, not just monetary value. It's the value of your time, your energy. You really like looked for this thing. And I think that's the important part about really um, creating a curated home so that the things have more emotional connection. They have more value, more sentimental value. And the idea to move things around, you know, I get bored very easily. Hashtag Sagittarius. Um, <laughs> I often shift things around my house. I change my living room so much. I'll take chairs that were in the living room, put them in the bedroom. I'll take the rug that was in the dining room, put it in. You know, it's all very um, a mashup of fun. And I'm always really pleased with how it turns out. So um, I think that, you know, yeah, for me, part of like sustainable shopping when it comes to home is reusing things that were pre-loved and also reconfiguring your space and enjoying 
you know, um, the things that you have around the house in different rooms and different spaces. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, my take on how to kind of get around moving into a new apartment and, or a new home and feeling like you need everything new. It's like, let's, let's value and treasure these things a little bit more. And I think when you spend all that time sourcing, they just mean more. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, I mean, you kind of alluded to this, but I'd love to talk a little bit further about like, so for people who don't consider themselves to be particularly passionate or quote unquote good at interior design, which I don't think there's good or bad, but you know, there, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's some really, really bad things coming from like oversized recliners that your dad had. Maybe, maybe we could put that one in the bad section, but um, <laughs> I, I think that people should be ex- uh, encouraged to explore and, and to not put so much pressure on themselves, but curious to know, like, what do you tell people who say like, Hey, like, I don't feel like I'm good at like maybe dealing with um, maybe dimensions or or scale or pattern mixing. Like, you know, do you have any tips for people who are looking, um, you know, to, to kind of, I guess, up their skill level from that perspective? Yeah. I would say the first thing is, is that furniture is not a tattoo. It is not permanent. Mm, yeah. um, and you're allowed to um, change your mind. You're allowed to, especially when you're um, buying secondhand, you're allowed to try things in your space, put it in a different room, put it in a different area, rearrange the room. So the first thing is like, don't be too hard on yourself if everything isn't placed perfectly at at the start, right? Um, So that's what I have learned to be forgiving with myself. Just like, I know that I have good taste and I picked out this item and it's good. I don't know where it goes yet or it's not living its best life in my living room. Maybe this is better suited for my office, right? So that would be tip number one. Tip number two is to consider, I just made a video about this on my TikTok and I was talking about how um, the best place to kind of get started if you feel like you don't know where to begin at all in terms of your taste is to look inside your closet. I feel like your wardrobe is such an indicator for your personal taste. Like, what do you like to wear? Do you like things really cozy? Are you into things being structured? Or do you like tailoring? Um, are you into color? Are you into neutrals? Do you, are you more whimsical? You know, and I feel like your home interior style is often going to be reflective of like what you like to wear. Cause it's like what you would like to look like, what you want to feel, you know, are you into coziness or are you okay with things being a little bit more formal? Um, and so I feel like that's a great tip in terms of like approaching your actual style. And then in the same regard, I like to relate things to getting dressed because I feel like they just tie so well together is understanding color and proportion. Um, and that's with anything that's aesthetic. And so that's a painting. It's a, it's an, it's a room, it's your outfit and playing around with color, playing around with proportions and texture, all of those things are kind of the identifying markers of what I think is going to make the room feel most like you because it is very subjective. And so like you said, there's no good or bad. It's just more like what's attractive to your eye. It's your house. It's your home. You get to love it. And then I would say that would be the third tip would be that everything gets to be aesthetic. You know, I feel like a lot of people lean into function like, oh, I just got this desk because I needed a surface or, oh, I just got this because I just needed a whatever. There's a cute version. You know, there's a you personality attractive version of literally everything. Um, and so you're allowed to love everything in your home, including a bookshelf, including, you know, utilitarian items, everything gets to be the way that you want it. Cause there's some version, whether it's used or new 
of a thing that fits aesthetically into your space. Absolutely. No, I, I totally agree. And I think, you know, the, the more that people give themselves the space to be creative, the better, right? Like I, I just think so many of us like see, I mean, look, interior design, I, I do think can be intimidating for people. And I, a lot of us feel like, okay, well, I just want to go find, you know, an influencer and see their room and basically just like buy the whole thing on a duplicator, right? And obviously, if you're working with secondhand pieces, it's not possible. And so, you know, I think it's kind of led to this culture of, you know, there's a lot of influencers that use, you know, a ton of like target pieces and things like that. And so, you know, I think in general, the more that we can think about, yeah, the creativity, the um, maybe the inspiration, but not necessarily the duplication, I think is a really important thing to think about. Um, and actually, it kind of reminds me of another question I have for you, which is like, so yeah, I mean, you started blocking in um, 2012. And you know, that's definitely OG blogger time. I remember that pretty well. Um, and I'm curious to know, like, how have you balanced the pressure? I mean, this is a question we ask influencers all the time, but yeah, how do you personally balance the pressure um, around the need to like acquire new things all the time? Or like, I just feel like there's just such an, from a content creator perspective, people feel like they've got to have new stuff all the time. So how do you, how do you cope with that? It's definitely, um, I feel like we've, we've leaned more into this conscious conversation lately. Um, I feel like at the start, it definitely was high pressure to always have new things to show. Um, I feel like also at the beginning, I think the best influencers to me, it's not just about self-gratifying, self sharing your life. It's also a service, right? You, you need to be in service to your audience in terms of like, what are you teaching? Are you educating? Are you entertaining? Like what value do you provide to the people who consume your content? Um, and so I, I, a lot of times when I would do fashion content specifically, people would be like, oh my God, I want this. Where is it from? And I'd be like, oh, sorry, it's old. And they would literally be annoyed. Like they'd yeah, be like, yeah. oh dear, you wear this skirt if I can't purchase it. And I think a lot of it is educating your audience. It's like, I am a human and I wear the clothes that are in my wardrobe. And this, if you are enjoying this particular skirt, then hopefully you can take inspiration. Maybe you like the color. Maybe you you like the idea of finding that it's pleated or what have you. It's mini, it's maxi, whatever. Um, and, you know, kind of this, you can recreate this by going either to a store or your local thrift store or whatever, however you're shopping. And like you said, it's really about inspiration. And so specifically because my home is, I would say, 80% vintage, <laughs> um, it's probably a higher percentage than most. Um, it is really about inspiration. It's also a lot about education, um, teaching. So when you want to create content and it's just not about the consuming, it's really meant to be inspirational in terms of one, um, promoting the idea of using things that someone else owned. You know, there's great story and life and love and, you know, these pieces have seen so much, right? So there's that education. It's also education about like different designers, education about sourcing, um, and inspiring people to get out there and whether it's not, you know, not just about decorating your house, but also like gift giving, you know, like I source this like random, like giant pink heart vase for uh, my best friend. I saw it uh, while I was thrifting and I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to love this. And I saved it. And so I put her birthday flowers in it, you know, and it's like this great, cool thing where you can't just go to urban and go get that. Like it's one of a kind. It's probably from the eighties, I would guess. And, you know, so I like to give gifts that way. Um, so sharing that kind of content. So like, it's really just, you really do have to be creative and have ideas. So I'm sharing like inspiration. It's like, 
maybe you like the colors that are in my home. Maybe you, you know, we're talking about like, Hey, go thrifting for your bestie instead of just going somewhere where, you know, we're giving them a gift card, you know, put the time, put the effort in, um, you know, talking about all of those different nuances about interior design versus just like, go buy this candle right now, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that thought. And you know, honestly, the gift giving piece to me is is such a good idea too. Like, you know, we do when when we're out, we see things that we know people like and just thinking about, yeah, like, let's, let's save that for later. (laughs) You know, like, like, let's save that for gifting. I love that. Um, And on the topic of education, because I, I, I also believe so much in this, and it's a big thing that we talk a lot internally at Brightly, which is, yeah, how are we showing up for our audience? How are we helping educate them? And one thing that I think um, a big question that we get um, often, and I'm sure you get this all the time, too, is like the affordability um, and the accessibility of what we talk about. And so, you know, I think a lot of people think they need a ton of money to do X, Y, and Z, right? They need a ton of money to be eco-friendly. They need a ton of money to, um, you know, have a beautiful space. So, Tell me about like how you walk your audience through that question as you think about interior design. Like people are like, oh, I, I, I'm broke. Like, you know, how, how do I how do I do this from an affordability perspective? Absolutely. Um, I feel like, you know, people I, I got a comment one time. It was just like, well, of course, your house looks like this because you're a professional designer. And it's like, actually, I'm a content creator and I don't take clients. So I'm actually not. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a practiced, you know, art form that I enjoy. It's a passion. You gotta love those comment, uh, those, yeah, those yeah. Uh, expert commenters. You know that know everything. They're great. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, but I feel like in terms of affordability, it's subjective, right? Because what is affordable to one person is not to another. So I like to share that in any of my content. You know, if someone is a student or in a place in their life where you know um, they value, you know, they're placing their money on things like getting make the rent done and getting groceries done and things like that. You know, I think that the option for secondhand is fantastic because, you know, I love like little pottery and things like that, which can be expensive even at a Target. But when you're, you know, at a flea market or you're thrifting or an estate sale, that same item might be a dollar, you know, or or two. Um, So there are, it's obviously much more eco-friendly, but it's also often affordable. And it's about how much you're willing to put into it because, you know, time is also a luxury and, Um, depending on your, you know, your work situation, your family situation, you may not have as much time as I do to dig. So I do understand that that is also, um, a benefit and a gift that I have, but I do think that, you know, um, depending on what you're looking for, you, if you are willing to, and have the the resource of time to look for things, like you said, on Craigslist, offer up Facebook, all those sort of places, or your local thrift stores, um, you will bump into pieces that are more valuable than what you're paying for them. You can, you know, I have crazy scores. I have crazy things that I've found for free. You know, often people might be getting rid of a sofa and don't want to pay to get rid of it. So you're taking it off their hands. And so you go grab it and it costs nothing, you know, that sort of thing. But there's also an expense, right? You can, the same way that you have things that were mass produced and so they're less valuable and they're just more, they're less rare. They're more like available, whether it's like chairs or, you know, different artwork or what have you. Um, there's also designer things the same way that we have our Gucci's and YSL's and Louis Vuitton and all that stuff. There's the, the those, there's the Dassault and the, you know, Magistretti and the, the designers that are, that cost more. Doesn't mean that you can't like have great luck and bump into something for, you know, a really great price, but 
it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's a variable. And so I think that the great thing about shopping secondhand is there is a really accessible entry point because of places like the marketplaces that we just talked about. We talked about, you know, estate sales and, and of course, um, you know, your local Goodwills and Salvation Armies and thrift stores and things. So um, I would say in terms of affordability, it's out there. Um, you really do have to look and I know that time is another resource. So I can't just say like, oh, just spend time and do it because you may not have the time. But if you do, you will save money. So it's kind of like, what are you willing to spend money for convenience or time for a good deal? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like we, you know, like one of the one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and you literally just touched on it was, to, you know, I know you talk frequently about, you know, patience that's needed um, when you're you know, thrifting and when you're going about and creating your space. But I, I feel like, you know, that concept is, is just so important, um, you know, because for, for a variety of reasons. But what, what's like the main reason you, you like to talk about that a lot with people about the patience piece? Because, you know, um, people have a need for immediacy. Um, I find that with friends, with comments, people in my life, um, there's an, an, a pull, a, a need to have an immediacy. I think, you know, with whether it's Postmates, you can order food and have it right to your door. Like there's a convenience level that we've come to expect. And I think that with shopping, especially if you really want to curate your home, if you just go for what's available quickly, it's never going to be as good as if you're patient and you're actually collecting. Um, it doesn't mean you need to do it over the course of years and years or anything, but you know, if you go into one store, yes, you can have it all right now, but if you go shop around, you know, and you, and because, you know, um, especially like thrift stores, vintage stores are fully reliant on what, you know, the owners of that shop are able to put in there. Sometimes you'll go and you don't get anything because you're like, man, there was nothing I needed or, you know, yeah, there was a great set of bowls in there, but I don't need bowls, you know? Um, and so the patience required is, you know, going back multiple times. It might be scrolling through Craigslist for, you know, the, the, the time it takes to find the thing over and over until you get that thing you're really looking for. Um, and so you can say like, I remember dining chairs being so impossibly hard for me. <laughs> like <laughs> I had an idea of what I wanted, but I just wasn't seeing it. And I could have just gone and ordered something off of, you know, whatever.com for sure. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted them to be vintage. Um, I wanted a specific type of chair. I was looking for something chrome and it took a few weeks, but they finally popped up and I couldn't believe it. I walked into the store, the thrift store here, and it was four chairs for a hundred bucks. And I was like, this oh, wow. Happened. Like, this is yeah. what I was looking for. Um, so Patience just always pays off with most things I would say in our yes. lives. <laughs> um, and shopping for home decor is no different. There we go. I love that story because you're, you're totally right. Um, and you know, one of the interesting things too, I think is when you're looking for specific pieces that are vintage or vintage, vintage inspired, like you have to be patient. Like you just said, like a lot of times they're just not even in the marketplace when you want them to be. And so either you have to say, well, I'm going to just compromise and not get what I want. Or yeah, you, you do kind of sit and wait and, and, and hunt and, and have a lot of fun. Well, 
Speaking of fun, I've had so much fun talking with you, Kelly. We're actually like almost, I mean, I feel like we could talk about this forever. I say this with everyone, but I, I, that's one of the reasons I love doing a podcast. But um, one thing that we like to do as we close out our conversations with our guests is we like to kind of ask them the same question because I'm always really interested in hearing everybody's responses. But um, the question is like, you know, really from your perspective as a content creator, as somebody who's been in the business for a while now, I mean, like, what is exciting you the most about what you're witnessing going on in sort of the sustainability movement uh, right now? I mean, I guess what's exciting me the most is that um, we're really just appreciating the value of things that aren't new. Um, we're appreciating the value of especially um, clothes, furniture, et cetera, that uh, was made in the past. And I think looking back is always a great way, you know, in, in any art form um, to uh, be inspired. Um, and then of course, you know, as we talk about things like climate change and other really terrifying things in the world, um, it's like this small way to um, preserve. It's a small way to kind of like just reduce our own footprint in some ways and so that's really what I love. I love the artistic inspiration, the look back, like not letting things that were wonderful and, and incredible be forgotten. And then also, you know, obviously sustaining our planet. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I love that. And I, I think that, you know, the entire approach that you shared with the audience, like whether we're thinking about, um, you know, the practicality of it or just like the, the actionable tips is going to be so important to people as they think about going and, you know, refreshing their home. I mean, obviously we're just at the time of recording, we're kind of getting into October and we're, you know, getting fall, you know, and everybody loves to do that little fall refresh, the fall decor. So I'm hoping that, you know, as listeners, um, you know, get into this episode, they understand that like, you know, the thoughtful, uh, the thoughtful approach definitely wins out. Um, and it's something that can be so much fun. So Kelly, thank you so much for joining us listeners. We're going to have links to, um, all of Kelly's, um, you know, social media accounts and her, her blog, et cetera, in our show notes. Um, but we're, we're just so thrilled and Kelly joining us. Thank you so much. It was, it was great chatting. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And as a special thank you to our listeners, use code GOODTOGETHER to get 10% off all products in Brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.